Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. A big week in the financial markets. We've got the bailout blues. What's going on? Uh, is it a depression or recession or just some crazy obsession? That's our topic today. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Guys radio network. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook. Log on to audiopodcast.com forward slash real estate guys today for details. Get a download of your choice when you sign up today. Now, on with the show. Go online with the Real Estate Guys. The Real Estate Guys need your help. We're conducting an online survey to learn more about the information that you're looking for and how we can help grow the Real Estate Guys radio program. Just a few minutes of your time will help us help you. While you're online, subscribe to our e-newsletter. You'll automatically be entered to win a cruise with the Real Estate Guys. Help us to help you go online with the Real Estate Guys at realestateguysradio.com. realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys weekly radio program. I'm your weekly host, uh, Robert Helms, and uh, it's great to have you uh, tuning in, especially in such a uh, crazy week that we've had. Lots happening in the financial markets. We've been able to say that about the last few weeks and, in fact, months, but, uh, boy, what a uh, what a crazy week. With me uh, in the studio, co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. What do you think about uh, this last week? Well, this is the weekly show, and uh, you're the weekly host, and we've had a weekly economy. Yes, we have, and you're the weak partner. I'm see, sorry, weekly partner. Yeah, uh, it's been uh, it's been pretty tough out there, and especially for those of you who are in the stock market, our uh, our um, strong uh, condolences go out to you. Man, it's 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 been brutal. I saw a headline the other day that uh, over two trillion dollars has been lost just in retirement accounts. You know, I remember when that was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, two trillion dollars. Now, here's what's interesting about it. You know, you had people a few weeks ago talking about how the seven hundred billion dollar bailout, uh, you know, was such a big number, and then when it didn't pass, the stock market went down a lot more than that. So it's like, wait a minute, we've already lost one point two trillion, and you wouldn't even spend seven hundred billion. Now, there's lots of issues surrounding that, which we'll uh, talk about, I'm sure, today. Um, but now in perspective, it's like you also have to remember that money is never really lost in the stock market. Well, I mean, there's, it, it's, it's really a strange phenomenon that's going on because, you know, they're inflating the money supply. But what's happened is the credit supply has gone down. Right. And the credit supply through deleveraging has gone down so far that the net effect has been there's just not enough buyers. And then what you've got is you've got a lot of people that are panic selling, of course, and then sitting on cash. Banks are just nervous to lend to each other and anybody else. And everybody's just basically in uh, in freeze mode right now. And I, I liken it to this. It's If you ever play musical chairs when you're a little kid. Yeah, sure. So still do. <laughs> so the deal is, is when you, when you play musical chairs, there's not enough chairs for everybody, and that's the way the concept of leverage is. You, oh, I've been doing it wrong. That's right. no wonder it's not as. That's fun. right. So there's real okay. there's real assets out there. There's real money out there, and then through the concept of leveraging, you know, through the the, uh, the fractional reserve system, through a lot of different uh, methods of creating more money than there are. Uh, actual assets, what ends up happening is there isn't enough to go around, which is why run on the banks are such a big deal. So you've got everybody, when the cash is flowing, everybody's walking around the chairs, so to speak. because the music's playing. That's right. And when the music stops, and that's when people lose confidence in in whatever's going on. When confidence is shaken, everybody dives for a chair. And so you've got people right now that are clinging to their chairs. They've realized that there aren't enough chairs to go around, and there's not just like one missing, there's a lot missing. 
And so what the policymakers are trying desperately to do is to get people to get back up and get the cash to start flowing again. And they've come to the conclusion that they're not going to be able to do it by simply policymaking. They're actually going to have to get into the business. Now, right now, the, 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 the government is talking about buying stocks in banks and taking a passive role. wouldn't surprise me if they end up taking a more active role. So clearly, they're going to be much more active from a regulatory point of view, uh, especially on the investment banking side of things. Because what was going on in the investment banking side was a lot more loosey-goosey than what goes on in a trip. A typical depository bank. And I think that we're just learning a lot of lessons about this new global economy. And I think like we have in the past with the depression and different things that we went through, we found out that as we tweaked our economy and things changed in the world, that some of our old tools and old policies weren't effective. And we just found out the hard way that some of our tools and policies haven't been effective. And we're having to find a new way to play the game. You know, you mentioned uh, the Depression. In fact, I thought it was interesting. Uh, we were talking uh, in the last week about um, how much the stock market fell in the Great Depression. Right. How much it fell back on Black Monday and how much it fell in the last week. Right. Do you have any concept about that? Well, yeah. So the in the Depression, I think it was 22 or 23% in one day. Yeah. And uh, that was devastating. And um, I mean, that's jump out of window devastating back then, if you remember. Right, right. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Crazy. Nearly nearly 25% in a single day. And then we had, um, I think there was one in the 70s. I think it was the 70s. I'm not sure. Where, where two days, it took two days and it went down 11 and then 13. So first it was like a total of 22 or 23. And this thing, it took seven days. But effectively, it was the same result. The Dow is down 40% from where its high was a year ago, I think last Thursday or Friday. Right. And so, you know, you've got uh, one, of the, one of the things that's different right now, though, is that you've got the baby boomers who have been a big part of driving the stock market up over the last 20, 30 years, especially the last 10, 15 years. They're at a season where they can't afford to take a risk. They, if everything was perfect, they'd be pulling their money out of the stock market. And I always thought that that would be great long-term for mortgage interest rates because people would be very interested in buying income-backed securities, mortgage-backed securities, making lots of money available to lend. Keep oh, yeah, easy well. to sell those today. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is <laughs> people have lost faith. Those things have really fallen out of vogue. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to find out really where all those, the, the income investors do put their money. But how confident they're going to be to go back into equities – I don't know. You know, if I'm 60 years old, 55, 60 years old, and I'm thinking I, I can't afford to take 10 or 12 or 15 years to recover, and people that are trying to ride it out right now, it could be that's what they're looking at. You know, I did a presentation yesterday and showed the uh, graph of the stock market in the last uh, year, and I'd updated a slide that you had done back in February where you showed the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the SP 500 and the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000, and uh, you had shown that what what they were worth at the beginning of 2000 up to what they were worth when you did that presentation in late February of right. 08. And two of the indexes were up, uh, two of them were down, and even the ones that were up, uh, at that point the Dow was up about 11%, but it was up over eight years. And your point was, hey, eight, 11% increase over eight years ain't so hot. Right. right? Even the, the best-performing one, the Russell 2000, uh, just a coincidence, it's not the Russell Gray 2000. Hey, I mean, it's, it's just, me. There you go. It's, uh, it was up like 35%, but again, over eight years. Well, in your instructions on the slide, it said to update them uh, based on the date. So when I updated them, it was ugly. It's it brutal. was all red. Yeah, it's brutal. It, it, was, it didn't even make the point. It was like, why would you want to be ever in the stock market? And uh, and obviously, we know that, that it's a long-term, on any kind of long-term investment 
can't be judged week to week or, or day to day or month to month. And uh, and yet what's happening is that there is a huge emotional reaction. Right, it's not happening necessarily from a lot of the money managers, but it's happening on the mom and pop level. When you talk about the retirement funds, especially, and it's really interesting uh, if you've read Rich Dad's Prophecy, Robert Kiyosaki's book about um, the coming stock market decline, which we may not even be in yet. His premise is is really fascinating. It's something that his uh, rich dad pointed out to him when they changed uh, the retirement rules from a defined benefit program, where you got a defined benefit upon retirement, to a defined contribution program. One little word makes a huge difference right. and instead uh, people are contributing a regular amount but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be there when uh, you need the sun to shine for you and uh, his premise is based on the fact and it's a great book and there's a lot more to it but you can sum up the premise pretty simply it's just that lots and lots of people millions of people in the u.s have been forced to invest in the stock market right and what he means by that is retirement funds even though you and i know you can invest retirement funds into non-stock assets non-equity assets paper assets things like real estate and and things that we might uh, enjoy uh, certain retirement uh, funds can only be invested in stocks mutual funds etc and and the bigger point is at retirement when those uh, folks are going to retire, then they have no choice but to liquidate those holdings regardless of what the market is doing. And because the baby boomers is such a big and influential group, his rich dad foresaw that at some time, and, and he didn't want to nail down a date, and this book was written, I think, in 2002 or 2003. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to nail down a date, but he, you know, he said in, in conversations, well, that's best guess 2015, 2017, somewhere in there, right? And you know, now the point is maybe it's early, but, but the idea that eventually people are going to be forced to take stocks out. Now, today, if you have your money in a retirement fund, I asked this at the seminar yesterday, can you... If you're not at retirement age, can you liquidate your holdings? And the answer is, of course, yes, but it comes at a penalty if right, you do. Right. And yet there's people today who are doing that because they are panicked, and it's based on emotion. Yeah, and, and that's you know, it's it's really comes down to that. I mean, it, this whole system is based on faith. you got to believe. you got to believe when you loan somebody money, you do it based on your belief that they're going to pay you back. When you buy an investment, you do it based on the belief that it's going to go up in value, um, whether you write a check, you know, whatever, you got to believe that the bank is going to honor that. I mean, if you just go through and think about all the different financial transactions that occur and all the decisions you make, it's very much based on faith. And when the news gets gloomy and when the forecasts are uncertain and when even the leaders appear not to really have a handle on what's going on and what needs to happen and they keep saying, hey, it's better, it's better, and it gets worse and worse, then it's just this vicious cycle. You know, I've, I've heard people call it a negative feedback loop. Uh, I, somebody else called it some type of a financial accelerator. But whatever it is, it's just this vicious cycle of a downward trend where people are pulling their money, they're hoarding their money, and we've got to get people up walking around the chairs again. The money's got to start to flow. Well, I think mean, that's what we've seen happen is the government is attempting to start the music, right? I mean, with, with the bailout and with now taking a, uh, an ownership position in banks and with the other... Potential bailouts, 150 million here, 200 billion there. I mean, it adds up, you know. And there's all kinds of things that uh, they're looking at doing, and it really is about getting the music to start. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're, if it's like it's like your circulatory system, right? If you're sitting there and you have all the blood in your system, but your heart isn't beating, nothing's flowing. 
That's a problem. That's a problem. And so we've got to get the heart beating again. We've got to get things moving again. Because you made a great point the other day, and that is, hey, if I, if I have a dollar and then I spend a dollar, that's revenue with you. And then you turn around and spend that same dollar with somebody else, and that's revenue to them. And that, that creates a lot of revenue, even though it's the same dollar, circulating through the system. Yep. And that's really what it comes down to, is getting money to circulate again. Yeah, and if you don't spend that first dollar, then it doesn't circulate. And so it really is, it's really, in essence, what the fractional reserve banking system kind of is. It's a way to leverage dollars, except it is the same hard currency. You know, I, 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 give, I owe you a dollar, and you go spend it at uh, you know a restaurant, and then they uh, spend it on dry cleaning, and then they spend it on gas in their vehicle, and then so on and so forth. That same dollar translates. Now, every one of those business reports that dollar is revenue. Right. And, and so that's what we need, is to get the dollars flowing. Now, how do we do that? We'll find out when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Equity happens. Is it happening to you? Learn more at realestateguysradio.com. If you could increase the effectiveness of your brain, would you do it? If you could discover an easy way to make your brain smarter, stronger, and faster for absolutely no cost at all, would you do it? Well, now you can by requesting a powerful free demo of IQ from Infinite Mind. Right now, when you call, we'll send you an absolutely free demo showing you how easy it is to increase your brain power in as little as seven minutes. It's called IQ, and it will unleash your mind. Not only that, but you'll be able to read up to 1,000% faster, allowing you to read 10 books in the time it takes others to read one. To increase the effectiveness of your brain in seven minutes for free, call 1-800-405-7654. What have you got to lose? It only takes seven minutes. It increases the speed speed and efficiency of your brain and you can try it out absolutely free call now to get your free demo call iq at 1-800-405-7654 that's 1-800-405-7654 crikey local real estate market a little slow if there's no appreciation there's no equity no worries there are lots of markets and many are booming G'day mate, this is Luke Chadwick, the Deal Hunter with Global Property Network. I spend most of my time travelling all over the US and the world hunting down hot markets, great properties and expert agents. Give us a ring at 1-877-411-4GPN and we'll connect you to great agents in great markets with great deals. That's 1-877-411-4476. Well, mate, got to go. To learn more, go to globalpropertynetwork.com or call us at 1-877-411-4GPN. Don't be shy. Do it now. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're singing the bailout blues and talking about what it uh, has uh, meant this last week. And uh, we're going to transition to what that means uh, for real estate and uh, talk a little bit about uh, just w- w- how to navigate these crazy times that we're in. This week's radio program is brought to you in part by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded 
and played back anywhere, just like the real estate guys can on our weekly podcast. In fact, we were just talking about Rich Dad's Prophecy, which is one of the many books available on audible.com. And if you'll log on to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys, you can get a free audiobook of your choice. It could be Rich Dad's Prophecy. It could be uh, thousands and thousands of books. Just pick one, download it for free. Uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So what you do is you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys for your free audio book. Great. That's always good. Got to put good ideas in your mind, especially in times like this. You know, it's really important to put ideas in your head and get perspective from people who spend a lot of time thinking about different topics, right? It's a great shortcut. Your dad always says you don't have to give natural childbirth to a great idea, but you can adopt one. Absolutely. And when you read books and listen to radio shows and go to seminars and talk to people who uh, are experts in particular topics, you get a chance to get ideas and perspective that you would have to invest hours and hours and hours to arrive at, and they can quickly, what a shortcut, right? Quickly take you to that conclusion, and you don't necessarily necessarily have to agree with it, but it can definitely help shape your mind, and uh, reading is super important. So well, today, you know what you have to do is you have to manage your own psychology. There is so much negative stuff out there, and we have to pay attention to it. As real estate investors, it's crucial that we understand what's happening. We can't put our head in the sand and ignore it, but at the same time, we can't let it drag us down into the mire and the, oh, no, woe is me. It's amazing. We you know, uh, we don't talk much about our, our company on the radio, what we do for a living, which obviously has to do with real estate, but uh, today we have about $6.5 million of retirement funds under management uh, in real estate development projects, and Right now, those are looking pretty strong, Pretty right? good compared to being in the stock market. I mean, that's it. You know, we got an interesting email from a gentleman who uh, had uh, just noticed that if he had put the the money that he had put into one of our uh, syndications instead into the stock market, that where, where would he be? And obviously, it's a it's a project that's uh, based in, in real estate and it's doing quite well. And, and uh, at the end of the day, his, his return's going to be fine and his principle is going to be protected and, and everything goes if everything goes right but uh but you know the stock market's a tough deal today now it's also interesting you know when we look at the big indexes right the indices what's what's a basket of stocks doing that's interesting i uh i have stayed away from my stock portfolio this week i haven't looked at it very much but one day i did i i figured well let's see okay how bad is it and uh on one this particular day um the stock market was down six or seven hundred points and I looked at my all my stocks, and one of them was up that day, and I went, "Wow, that's and was up by a decent amount." It's a yeah. stock that, of a company that I that, that I patronize and enjoy, and that does a great job, and all that. I'm thinking that's pretty good. If only I were smart enough to have known which one would have been the one, <laughs> well, I could have just yeah. thought, right. But but obviously, I'm not. Uh, nobody is. Look at these managers of, of these mutual funds, right? In good times, managers of mutual funds, the majority of them can't beat the average. Right. So how would you expect to know enough ever to pick only the equities that are going to go up? That's the same thing in real estate. The difference is the whole mechanism behind picking markets and properties in real estate is so drastically different because of the fact that the market isn't perfect like the stock market is, and that's where we get to exploit those imperfections. Well, I think a big part of it is it's just the average person can understand it. You know, just going back to the fundamentals of real estate, we, we can see it, we can touch it, we can look around and see what kind of an environment is affecting it. 
Um, we can certainly understand the business model. People live there or work there and pay you rent. We can manage the cash flows. Uh, we understand what the competition is like. It's easy to assess. You can go look at what other properties are renting for. Uh, it's just not overly complicated. The thing I like about what's going on in real estate right now, normally uh, marketplaces that typically have a good history of appreciation because they have good, strong drivers have always been priced in such a way that you can't really get them to cash flow without huge amounts of down. And today, in those very same markets, you're able to get into properties for, you know, 10, 20% down. No, 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 Russ. We're supposed to put the good news at the end of the show <laughs> so that they'll continue to listen. That's a great point. Markets that have been priced out now, there's wonderful opportunity, for sure. Yeah. I mean, markets like California, for example, which historically has had great appreciation. And I think most people would argue that 10 years from now, California will probably, is real estate will cost more than it does today. Um, then you couldn't get those properties to cash flow. And today there are good markets where you can get cash flow. And it's, it's just interesting, even just the way you deal. You know, we've talked a little bit about loan modifications over the last couple of weeks. And that's just, to me, that's the new refinancing. That's, that's really, it used to be that when you wanted to improve your cash flow, you had to go get a new loan. Now you try to renegotiate the loan you already have. It's unprecedented the amount of cooperation lenders are willing to go through. And uh, I think that that's, that's definitely something people who have especially large amounts of mortgages and lots of different properties want to take a look at because new loans are hard to get, but existing loans are easier to renegotiate than ever before. If you missed our show last week, it was on loan workouts, the things that uh, you can do if you uh, are in a, a loan that you'd like to see modified or changed and what options are available. And uh, you're welcome to go to our site at realestateguysradio.com and either download or listen on our site to uh, that show. We also offered a free report, uh, which will be coming out this week. We, we told folks listening that it wasn't wasn't finished, uh, but it'll be coming out this coming week. And so if you haven't yet uh, asked for your free report, it's called What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. And if you'd like a free copy of that, it's uh, available at workout at realestateguysradio.com. Workout at realestateguysradio.com. But it's a great point. You know, a few years ago, very few lenders were willing to modify a loan. And to go through that process was a lot of brain damage. Right. Today, it's still brain damage, but it's uh, done a lot more, and it's a lot easier, and lenders understand it, and you need to understand if you're going to be negotiating. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to take a minute and really kind of talk about this, because you know mortgage-backed securities and mortgages are being blamed to a large degree for what's going on in the international financial markets. And the thing that you have to understand is really what happened and why. And I'm going to try and keep this simple, but understand this. When you have a property, that's a real asset. That's yep. something tangible, of value. It's real. Intrinsic value in land or in an uh, improved right. piece of land. And, and when you have a tenant, somebody who is going to work and producing real income, they're producing a product or delivering a service and, and doing something in the economy and bringing home income that they use to pay either rent to you or and then you use it to pay the mortgage or they pay directly to the mortgage that's real and so the mortgage which which is backed up by the income and backed up by the asset both of which are real is a real asset where we got into trouble is the investment bankers on Wall Street said, hey, I got an idea. Let's take this asset and let's do the same thing we did with the home and let's create an asset. Right, but off when you say asset. take that asset, you're not talking about the real estate. Right. You're talking about the loan. The mortgage. Which they look at as an asset. That's right? right. Your mortgage to you is a liability. You have to pay it every month. To your bank, it's an asset. 
because it's worth something, supposedly, because it's tied to the real right. property. Right. So now what we've done is we've created what's called a derivative. Now we have an asset that was created off of another asset, which was created off of a real asset. And the problem is... is but it that, doesn't stop there. But it doesn't, because then, then they say, well, if that worked once, let's do that again. And so you get this big chain, and what you've done is you've created a lot of money off of only one real asset, which is the property and the income attached to the property. And when you add too much money into any system without a corresponding increase in real assets and real production, you have inflation. In this case, it happened rampantly. It was hyperinflation, and it landed in the real estate space because people were buying these things like crazy because they were being sold like crazy. And it created a lot of demand for mortgage-backed securities so they could create these derivative products. And so you saw a huge supply of money coming into the mortgage space. You saw lending criteria going down. You saw interest rates going down and lots of mortgages getting placed, arguably to some people who probably shouldn't have gotten them. And then these derivatives created and nobody in the food chain really cared because they were just going to shovel them off to some nameless, faceless market instead of holding them in portfolio. This is such an interesting conspiracy theory that just happens to be true. It's the fact that the reason there was so much money available wasn't because there was a suddenly more demand for housing. Although when our listenership went up, people wanted to buy more investment property. I understand that. But the point is, what happened is that in order to create these derivative returns for these companies, they had to manufacture an asset to base it on. And so you see the derivatives were the same, essentially the same asset gets pledged again and again and again. And when the music stops, to use your analogy, the only real asset that backs it up is that tenant who gets up and goes to work every day and the value of the property. Now, when the value of the property is down because demand is down, then maybe you don't have enough to cover the amount of the debt, but you still have something. It's still worth something. Whereas many of those derivatives aren't. No, well, they're, they're not tied to anything. They're it, air. It, it, it's, it's, well, it's like a paper-backed asset. I mean, even a note that a corporation issues you know, is, is theoretically backed by their assets. Now, whether or not that ever really if they go out of business, if you ever get paid, that's a different story. And the same is true with stock, right? Theoretically, it's 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 attached to something. Um, but when you create derivatives off of things that aren't real, and it just it just waters down that whole thing and inflates the inflates the 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 particular sector. And so a lot of the housing prices that we saw that bubble, a lot of the real estate prices we saw were based on too much money or hyperinflation in the space. And when the market corrected, because it always does, right. then what ended up happening is prices had to come back down to the baseline. And I don't think we're quite there yet. I think we're probably getting close. You look at what's going on, you see, okay, pending sales of houses are moving up. The rate of depreciation is, is slowing down. The amount of unsold inventory on the market is still high, but decreasing. And so you've got the market correcting because, you know, when there's a lot of money to be made, money gravitates towards it. When there's money being lost, people run away from it. And that's how the market regulates itself. Now, you know, I hope what ends up when all this is said and done, and I think this is what's going to end up happening, is we're going to get rid of the bad practices that created the problem. A lot of the investment banks that are doing this are gone. A couple that survived turned into regular banks, which are under a different set of rules, much stricter. And so the ability to just manufacture some of these derivative products, even if the market's appetite had gone away, the ability for them to create it and sell it has kind of gone away because the people who are doing it are not doing it anymore. They're not in an environment where they can do it. And if we can just get back to regular old real estate where you have a real asset and real income 
and a, and a document, you know, a mortgage or, you know, a deed of trust that backs up to those real assets, which is also a real asset, then we can get back to having a normal market. Housing prices will stabilize. People will begin to believe again. They'll let go of their chair and they'll start walking around the circle again and money will start to flow. And just as you're saying that, I hear the music starting already. That means it's time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you a chance to win a prize. That's right. Our weekly real estate trivia contest is up next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Chadwick. Look, Chadwick. Real estate, like diamonds, are forever. So when it comes to real estate, never say never again. I travel the world for Global Property Network, spying out hot markets, experienced agents, and great deals. So if the world is not enough and you're looking for investment or vacation real estate anywhere in America or around the globe, call Global Property Network. I've got a gold finger for connecting you to great properties. You only live twice, so to grow your income for the second part of your life, you can live and let die, or you can go for it, like the living daylights. GPN is here to help. From Russia with love, this is Luke Chadwick for Global Property Network. Give Luke and his team at Global Property Network a license to kill and find you income-producing property. Tomorrow never dies, so you need Luke to find properties and deals for your eyes only. Call Luke and GPN today, 877-411-4GPN. That's 877-411-4GPN. Or on the sponsors page at realestateguysradio.com. Go online with the Real Estate Guys. We need to know what you think about the Real Estate Guys. So we're asking our listeners to complete an anonymous online survey. You'll help give us valuable information to grow the Real Estate Guys show and provide you with the info that you're looking for. While you're online, subscribe to our e-newsletter. You'll automatically be entered to win a cruise with the Real Estate Guys. We'd love your feedback. Go online now at realestateguysradio.com. realestateguysradio.com. Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home. In the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on Resources. RealEstateGuysRadio.com. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Thanks, Robert. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys Radio Program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. This week, we're talking about the bailout blues. And uh, what is it? Is it uh, recession, uh, depression, or just a crazy obsession the media has with uh, wanting to tell us everything before it uh, happens? And uh, how much of that creates this negative spiral that continues to play on everybody's emotions? Interesting to watch what the big investors are doing right now, what the smart money is doing, uh, because it's pretty obviously what the, uh, what the dumb money's been doing. Uh, before we get back to our topic, though, it is time to play a Real Estate Terrific. 
trivia. Here's how that works. We're going to ask you a trivia question that has something to do with real estate. And when we do, uh, you're going to have a chance to win a prize. And the prize is an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Find out more at equityhappens.com. Lots of equity still happening in lots of places around the world. So uh, first of all, before we uh, give out a copy of, uh, of the book, we'll tell you what you need to do uh, when you hear uh, the question and know the answer. You're going to send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Make sure and include your name and mailing address so when you win that book, we can uh, send it out to you. Also, uh, not only do we give a prize, a book, uh, autograph book to the first person, because that's kind of the history of real estate trivia, but because so many people uh, listen today via podcast, uh, we also take all the correct answers and have a drawing for second prize. So even if you're not listening live, uh, that's okay. You can actually uh, get a prize uh, if you get, get the right answer and if your name gets drawn. All right, so let's look at last week's trivia question. Last week we talked about loan workouts and uh, the uh, mod squads, the folks at the lenders modifying your loan. And our trivia, trivia question was about the television show, The Mod Squad. The Mod Squad were three hipper-than-hip undercover cops named Julie, Link, and Pete. What city did they protect? And the answer, of course... San Francisco. San Francisco, California. Here's our trivia question for this week. What is the largest body of fresh water in the world? Has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. But what is the largest body of fresh water in the world? If you know that, send the answer along with your name and mailing address to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. And the first person uh, to get the right answer will win an autographed copy of the book. And also, uh, of all the folks who get the answer right, we'll have a drawing for a second copy. So get it to us at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. So lots going on in the financial markets. What does that mean to you as a real estate investor? Well, obviously, one of the things that's happened uh, is financing has been more difficult to achieve these days. It's uh, And that's probably for a lot of good reasons. Uh, ironically, interest rates are fabulous. Yep. It's a great time to get uh, a loan if you can get one. But the uh, qualification is different today. Yes, it is. Uh, it's getting back to the old days where you got to have some skin in the game, meaning down payment. Uh, part of that is because there's not a lot of confidence on the lender's part that equity is going to grow in the property, which is going to give them what they call protective equity through appreciation. So you have to bring it to the table in the form of purchase equity or down payment. Uh, another thing is they want to see people with a strong credit history, meaning you've got to have a good credit score, uh, probably over 700 if you want to get the best money. Um, so that's going to be important. Steady income, documenting your income instead of just stating it or completely not even stating it at all, and also backing up your assets. You've got to have, uh, you know, it's always been with investment property. Banks wanted to see about six months of cash reserves. So whatever your principal interest taxes and insurance payment were, they wanted to see about six months. For owner-occupied, it could be less, but for investment, it needed to be about six months. Um, and so it's it's really kind of getting back to those those underwriting guidelines. And the reason is, is because there's no appetite in the secondary market for low-quality paper, what they call subprime or alt-A. The, the appetite is for quality paper. And, of course, paper that they can write, meaning loans that they can make, that can be sold to, uh, to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or guaranteed by FHA, uh, are really where the best opportunities are in residential uh, real estate. In the commercial side, uh, there are definitely some commercial banks that have been the beneficiaries of the uh, fear that's gripping uh, the banking system, meaning if, if I'm sitting here and I'm a depositor and I've got $500,000 sitting in the bank and used to be just until a little while ago, it was $100,000 FDIC insurance. Yep. I'm concerned when I see a, a company like Washington Mutual 
you know, go out of business or IndyMac and realize that if it weren't for some type of a bailout, I might lose everything and how much can really be bailed out. So maybe if I'm a big banking customer, I'm taking my money out, at least taking a bunch of it out, and I'm spreading it out among little banks that all have FDIC insurance. And so some of these banks that make local loans are ending up with, with deposits and they're looking for good quality projects in communities and i think it's great that we get back to community banking we get back to to um people getting closer to the assets and the people they're lending to uh because that's where quality lending exists and when we get quality back into the mix we're going to start to see stabilization i got an interesting headline here from business week it says for bailout to work housing market needs to mend And I thought, that's kind of interesting, right? Because the whole thing was, hey, we're going to do the bailout to mend housing. And they're saying, no, no, no. For the bailout to work, housing needs to be fixed. To me, as a real estate investor, I'm thinking, well, if if whatever it is doesn't really matter to me, the point is it continues to be that the policymakers, the financial, everybody in control, you know, the government, regulators, everybody's realizing that housing, to quote Business Week, is a critical component to the U.S. economy. And so they're going to put all their attention on trying to prop that up. If I'm buying real estate right now before they've had a chance to execute on that strategy, as long as I have faith that they will and that the basics of supply, demand, and capacity to pay are going to favor me in a particular real estate investment, then it's a great time to be a buyer and a great time to to leverage good credit if you've got it because the rates, as you said, Robert, are low. And if you don't have good credit, go find a partner who does. Yeah, uh, you know, we had a whole show on partnering for profit because today there's a lot of folks out there who still have great credit but don't necessarily have the time, talent, relationships, experience to be able to go find deals. If you're a deal finder and uh, your credit is tarnished, you can put uh, some pretty good uh, equity type arrangements together. Of course, you know, seek counsel because that's an interesting uh, area of securities, but uh, it's 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 nonetheless a great uh, opportunity. So don't think just because you don't have a 700 FICO score doesn't mean you can't play i promise you my fico score is under 700 <laughs> and i play at a very high level in real estate that's right. you know as you were talking about uh, local banks it's just interesting as i'm thinking about the banking relationships that we have I, I we don't have a single construction loan by a local bank which is all the construction loans we have where they haven't the banker has not been out to see the property they've seen the property they've met us they've looked at our site plan they've looked at our performa they've looked at our construction drawings i mean they're involved on, on your fourplex or your single-family house, your lender doesn't even know where it is. They've seen an appraisal, but no one's been there. No one's seen what the neighborhood's like, right? It's a very different world in the commercial world, and I think that makes it harder in a way, but it also ensures the quality, to your point. The, the, the banker only gets behind a project that they can see, and when they're in the local marketplace and they know what's going on, I've often said the only person that knows more about construction financing than a developer is the banker right. because they have so many loans they're administering with draw schedules and looking at performance and timelines and and surveys and all that and so they understand that game very much and there's great money available you know one of the markets uh, that we're in pretty heavily uh it's it's so interesting uh, in the last week we have had four different parties negotiating either a sale or a joint venture on one of our projects in this market economy with what's right. going on i tell that to people and they're like you're crazy no one's everyone's ringing in no 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 
uninformed are reigning in. Dumb money is reigning in. The smartest people I know in real estate are on a buying spree right now. Well, there's another side to that, too, though, Robert, because those particular projects, obviously I'm familiar with them, are, are great projects. They're unique projects. I said that I got into them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean... No, they are. You're right. They are great projects. I mean, that's right, kind of I mean, the under, underlying premise. It can't be garbage. Well, right? that's a huge... But it's a huge point to make because yeah, if you're going to go out and you want to invest in something, you got to make sure that what you're investing in is quality. And, you know, what that defines as, you know, if it's a rental property, it's got to be good, solid cash flows. Verifiable, documentable, Verifiable, uh, durable documentable, rent. durable income. And it's got to be in a marketplace where you have uh, a good history. You know, it may not be doing well right now, which is to your advantage as a buyer. But if it's got a good history, once things stabilize, if you believe they will, then you have a better chance of having a real strong investment. And the bankers... If you're especially if you're working locally, are going to get that. One of the things that's great is it's actually I think commercial is still a better place to be right now. I mean residential, uh, you know one to four, that whole system really is kind of broken right now. Yep. And the commercial lending is is a little bit better, but but the, but the concept is focus on quality. If you can get the best property or the best, it comes back you know location, location, location. Really, it's desirability, desirability. If you get something that's rare that that everybody doesn't have, that everybody you know that people are going to want, you have a better chance of doing well. And the thing, the advantage is, is right now in this market, when everything is kind of soft, good stuff is soft too, and you just have to be able to cherry pick. There are deals like look at Warren Buffett, right? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny watching Warren Buffett because he has been right so many times. And, you know, it's like he bought stock in Wells Fargo about a year ago. And that was arguably a great move, right? He declined to purchase or buy stock or purchase a couple of companies, which in hindsight were smart. Today, what's he doing? He's buying more. He's buying. he's, He's out there buying, not selling. That's called a clue. But it's it's easy to say that. It's easy to be clinical about that. But then when your emotion starts to rise, now it's like people start to panic. And what we've seen is a panic sell-off in the stock market. Now, some of it is obviously fund- fundamental, but there's there's a lot of emotion out there. And that's always a challenge. The difference between the house you live in and investment real estate is the emotion that's tied to it. You get to be emotional about your home. But not about investment in real estate. This is one of the best times we've seen to have non-emotional detachment to some outstanding bargains. So when we come back, we'll talk about some of the places we see real opportunity today in the real estate market, despite the headlines. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm here with Paul Dow from Timeshares Only, who's telling me that now is the perfect time to be selling a timeshare. That's right. The market is really hot right now. There are literally thousands of people looking to buy a timeshare. And you've got some help for sellers. Absolutely. Right now, I'm giving away a free kit that includes the top 10 secrets to buying and selling timeshares. Well, that does sound helpful. Yeah, this is really good stuff to know for anyone who's even thinking about selling a timeshare, because these are things that can make you thousands of 
of dollars. And this information is free? Absolutely free. But this is a limited time offer, so you need to call our toll-free number now so we can rush it out to you. Okay. That's the top 10 secrets to buying and selling timeshares. Yours, absolutely free. Call us now. We can help you make thousands of dollars. Here's the phone number to call. 1-800-550-7292. That's 1-800-550-7292. 1-800-550-7292. Local real estate market a little slow? If there's no appreciation, there's no equity. No worries. There are lots of markets and many are booming. G'day mate, this is Luke Chadwick, the Deal Hunter with Global Property Network. I spend most of my time travelling all over the US and the world hunting down hot markets, great properties and expert agents. Give us a ring at 1-877-411-4GPN and we'll connect you to great agents in great markets with great deals. That's 1-877-411-4476. Well, mate, got to go. To learn more, go to globalpropertynetwork.com or call us at 1-877-411-4GPN. Don't be shy. Do it now. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're uh, trying to make sense of what's happened uh, in the uh, financial markets this week. And, of course, what does that mean to you as a real estate investor? That's what it comes down to is you read the macro headlines, and it's like doom and gloom. And we understand that that sells and that gets you to listen and, and so forth. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to decide what it is that you do with the information that you read out there. And so we can talk about how far the Dow's gone down. We can talk about how hard it is to get loans and so forth. But at the end of the day, as a real estate investor, you have to proactively figure out where your game is. Are you going to sit it out? Is it time for you to rein it in and just to sit on cash or, or you know, put your head in the sand? Or is it time to go out there and uh, make some deals? We think there's excellent opportunity today. Now, part of the opportunity is created by distress because there are foreclosures and there's bankruptcies and there's problems and markets are down. That's part of the opportunity. Part of the opportunity is, is created because the best time in the world to buy anything is when everybody else is selling. When they're all selling, buy. It's the age-old wisdom Rodney Dangerfield had on Caddyshack, <laughs> right? Sell, sell, sell. What, they're all selling? Well, then buy, buy, buy. I mean, that's exactly the case. Now, it doesn't mean you have to buy anything, right? In 2003, here was some advice. Go buy anything in real estate. That was great advice in 2003 because pretty much everything went up in value the year after that. That's not the advice today. Today you have to be selective, you have to be educated, and you have to really be more careful than ever. And it really it just comes down to cash flow. You know, I mean, it, it, when, when you're focused on just riding the appreciation wave, uh, you buy anything you want, hold on to it, and if you've got to feed it a little bit, that's okay because whatever you're feeding it, you're going to make up for in the short term. Um, and if you've got plenty of income, maybe that's an okay strategy even today uh, because you know you could still make the argument that to be leveraged would make more sense and to keep your equity out of the property to the extent that you can uh, and then try to invest it someplace where it's going to grow at least as fast as the cost of the money. And mortgage still is some of the cheapest money out there, right? I mean, if you've got a choice between putting $100,000 dollars down on a property and buying down a 6% note or investing it in an 8 or 10% investment, I'd be better off keeping the money separate, but just having the discipline to, to, to make sure that I've got the, uh, the money set aside and I don't do too many other things with it, right? Well, not only that, but people that were over leveraged in this last couple of years, some of them have been hurt. 
But a lot of them, and I'm one of those, have had the benefit of loan modifications work in my favor considerably. Yeah, absolutely. So you know what? The rules changed, and we renegotiated like business people do, and, and you know what? I, I'm sitting in a good position in a lot of properties. And that that's the thing is that as the tide shifts, you have to move with it. You can't be stuck on, a, well, what I always did is I always bought property. It went up hundred grand. I borrowed out the, the equity, and I bought more. Well, that worked great in the years of appreciation. The 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 part you the, the part you mentioned about cash flow is crucial. We've always talked about cash flow being so important because it controls the mortgage and the mortgage controls the property. If you lose control of the mortgage because you lost control of cash flow, you lose the property. And unfortunately, that's we've seen that happen to people. However, today, if you can get into a situation where you have cash flow and a fixed interest rate then why wouldn't you buy? Right. I mean, exactly. I mean, if you think about it, you put the equity in the property, you still put the minimum amount of equity that you you can into the property and then create the extra cash flow by taking whatever down payment you would have put and putting it in an income producing vehicle that's at least as good. And then you just manage the cash flow on the property and that's staying power because it always comes back to that same question. Do I think that the piece of property that I own today will be worth more than it is today in 10 years? That's the deal. And be prepared to stay. Hey, we've always said if it happens to go up and you get one of those 20, 30% appreciation markets again, great. That's fabulous. But that's not what you bought for. You bought for a 10-year period of time. And if you were the beneficiary of hyperinflation, fabulous. Right now, I don't think anybody's banking on that. I think that the way you approach real estate is just you're strategically adding property, one property at a time to a portfolio, managing the cash flow, stabilizing the management, making sure that you've got a plan for that property. You can't count on using a loan to get the equity back out in the short term because some of those loans aren't readily available. Uh, You want to make sure you maintain good credit and documentable income and all of that. Uh, And then just expect to be in it for the long haul. And if you do that in the right marketplace, now is a great time to be a buyer. Yeah, it sure is. There are some tremendous bargains out there, but it doesn't mean that everything's that that is for sale is a, is a good is a good deal. So you have to be able to look beyond that. We think there's some great opportunities in the markets where there are long-term sustainable drivers. Right. Reasons that people will continue to want to move there, be hired there, work there, vacation there, uh whatever it is. You look for what the reason is that's driving a market and it's it's glaringly obvious with a little bit of study what drives certain marketplaces and certain markets where you don't want to get anywhere near them. I mean, there's markets that you couldn't pay me to invest in uh, now or maybe ever because of that they have negative uh, net migration. People right. have been leaving for, for months and, and sometimes in, in decades they've been leaving. There is no new job growth. And, and so what you see is you see some houses that are on sale, right? I got an email from a group that's selling these houses that have been appraised at $55,000. That tells you something about the market. And you could buy them for $19,000. And I looked at the fundamentals of that market and went, well, that's about – 17,000 too much. I mean, it, <laughs> it's a it lot just, of heartburn for yeah, low, low, I mean, how much gosh. does that property have to go up to justify the to time To make a difference effort? in your life. Right. Absolutely. And, and yet the other thing we're seeing is that there are some tremendous opportunities. I talked yesterday about, uh, you know, the fact that the stock market had gone down and the people will say, well, yeah, but the real estate market's gone down. Well, that depends. What real estate market? And I told them about a market that uh, you and I invested in in late 2006. And here we are in late 2008 and that market's up over 40%. That's right. Wouldn't you like to know where that market is? Wouldn't you like to invest it two years ago? Now, two years ago was a really lousy time to pull the trigger on properties in a lot of U.S. marketplaces. But guess what? This market is in the United States. 
There are international markets today that are absolutely booming. Russ and I are in negotiations right now to do a two-day seminar. They're going to fly us out to another country to do a two-day seminar on the strategies to use in a rampantly appreciating market. It's like rolling back the clock to 2003, yeah. right? So we're intrigued by that, and we're active in that market. If you are limiting your horizon to your state or even your country, you're leaving money on the table. I did it yesterday. Yesterday, I had about 40 people in the room, and I said, all right, how many of you think it's risky to invest outside of the United States? And out of 40 people, we had about 11, 12 hands go up. And then I asked the follow-up question that I always ask. Now, how many of you think it's risky to have all of your real estate uh, investment in one nation's economy? And about 15 hands went up, all different hands. And I followed it with this statement, you're both right. right? If you think it's too risky to invest outside of the U.S., then for you it is. If you think it's too risky to have all of your real estate assets in one nation's economy, then you're right as well for you. You need to figure that out. But the way to, to learn whether it makes sense for you is not just to guess. It's, it's through education to understand. But there's a lot of great opportunity. I am more excited about real estate probably than ever because of the opportunity I see out there today. Sure. I mean, it, and really, it comes back again just to the fundamentals. You can only say it so many ways, but you've got properties out there that are uh, at attractive pricing levels relative to their cash flows in markets that normally would have been untouchable. You've got interest rates that are really favorable long-term. And uh, I think that when you go into a loan these days, you want to be looking at more long-term. And so, you know, the the concept of getting an adjustable and using it for two, three, four years, I think you need to be thinking more about 10 years as far as making sure you feel comfortable with the interest rate and fixing that in. I think that we're looking probably long-term with the amount of money that's been put into the economy to try to do all this stimulation. It's probably going to result in some inflation, which is good if you own assets, but bad if you if you have flexible debt, because it's probable you're going to see interest rates rise. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, just understanding what's going on macroeconomically will help you understand how to organize your debt, pick your markets. Uh, it, but but the concept is right now there there are good markets with good positive cash flows where you can get good attra- attractive financing and you don't have a lot of competition right now because most people aren't thinking it through they don't listen to programs like this they don't sit down and do the homework they won't get on a plane and go visit a marketplace and get to know it that's all way too much work they'd rather just go to their little nine ninety five per trade stock on the internet buy their stock and watch it go down forty percent in a year and not have any idea why or when or yeah but what I happened. saved four dollars a trade yeah. There you go. So uh, anyway. Well, now now here's a caveat for you. Even though today as we look at our buy and hold strategies and have given, I think, some excellent uh, advice uh, about w- how you create cash flow in this type of a market, that does not mean, and hear me on this, you should buy anything that's positive cash flow. I look at positive cash flow deals all day long that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole and I wouldn't invest your money in, Russ. I mean, there are some <laughs> – I mean, just the fact that it's positive cash flow, first of all, it's a lie because it's a performer created by a broker that doesn't c- contemplate most of the real expenses that you, that landlord season landlords know. And secondly, the market drivers and sustainable rental base is not there. Yeah, that's and key. just because today a ten- like I looked at one where there's a tenant in there paying way above market rent because they got in on a builder's incentive. There's only four months left in the lease. And this broker is touting this as positive cash flow. And the first thing I did was do a rent verification. The rent's going to go down at least by half, and all of a sudden the thing's underwater. 
But you know what? He's made his brokerage fee and moved on by then. So you really got to be careful today. And also, don't lose heart or faith because you don't personally have either A, a lot of money, or B, a lot of credit. Every day we're dealing with the challenges created by people who have had problems in the last couple of years. It doesn't mean game over. There are awesome opportunities to partner. A few weeks back, we did a webinar uh, with Attorney Jeff Lerman called Partnering for Profit. It was so successful in terms of its content that we actually left the link up on our site. If you go to realestateguysradio.com, you'll see the link that says Partnering for Profit. It's a webinar. Uh, even though it says it's passed, you can still sign up for it and have access to three and a half hours of information and all the handouts and all the slides and listen through it at your own rate and uh, maybe it's a time to partner with somebody. So you got to pay attention to the headlines but don't get drawn down into the muck and mire by all the negative doom and gloom out there. We're your uh, real estate voice of reason week after week. Next week on the program we've got a a super exciting show for you. I can't tell you but tune in. It's going to be great. Thanks so much for uh, listening and continue to support the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks to our very valuable and appreciated sponsors. Thanks to our uh, financial strategist, co-host Russell Gray, our engineer, Chathan, and our executive producer, Matthew Pierce. Remember that equity happens. Make sure some happens to you. Find out more at equityhappens.com. See you next week on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Real Estate Guys, brought to you in part by The Investor's Paradigm. Learn how investing in real estate, accounts receivables, hard money, lending, and other strategies can give you positive cash flow fast. Call 800-265-4817. Texas Investor Homes, model home leasebacks for long-distance investing. Call 972-897-6190 or visit TexasInvestorHomes.com. Corporate Direct, get the edge in business and wealth, building with asset protection, privacy, and tax savings. Call Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton at 800-600-1760. And Global Property Network. Have Goldfinger Luke Chadwick help you find properties from around the world. Call GPN at 877-411-4GPN. Find out about these and other valued sponsors on the sponsor page at realestateguysradio.com. And learn how you can sponsor the program. 510-521-5100. We'll see you next week on The Real Estate Guys. Hi, this is Robert Helms. As a real estate investor, you know you need to be concerned about asset protection. When an investor asks me about the litigation explosion in America and what they can do to better protect their real estate assets, I like to refer them to Corporate Direct. Equity happens, but it can be limited without solid asset protection in place. And Corporate Direct protects your assets. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by Garrett Sutton. He's an attorney, best-selling author, and one of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors. Garrett and his staff are knowledgeable, helpful, and surprisingly affordable. And I know, I've used Corporate Direct and have been exceedingly satisfied with their service. They're on the web at CorporateDirect.com, or you can call them at 1-800-600-1760. That's CorporateDirect.com, or 1-800-600-1760. You know you need asset protection for your real estate, so visit CorporateDirect.com, or 1-800-600-1760. Find them on the resource page at RealEstateGuysRadio.com. That's CorporateDirect.com.